This is the Sales Gravy Podcast. Hi, I'm Jeb Blunt, best-selling author of Fanatical Prospecting Objections, Sales EQ, and Inc., and I'm here to help you open more doors, close bigger deals, and rock your commission check. Hey, welcome back to another episode of the Sales Gravy Podcast. On this episode, I have the CRO of Moogsoft. It's a really interesting software program that I don't quite understand. Uh, but, but Michael, tell us a little bit about that later on. It's for really smart people. You have to be really tall to be on that ride. Um, and we're going to be focusing on what we have to do right now to stay motivated during these times of uncertainty and uh, this economic upheaval that we're running into, especially in the tech world where there are so many layoffs. Before we get started, I want I want you to go check out Salesgrave University. Salesgrave University is the training engine of choice for small and scaling sales teams, individuals, and large enterprise sales teams that want fresh new content on their learning management systems and sales enablement platforms. I mean, we truly are the most powerful sales training engine on earth. And different than many online platforms that just have on-demand courses, we have live courses every single week, the same courses that we teach some of our largest clients that you can just uh, tuck into, plus our mastermind groups uh, and all of our on-demand courses from some of the top minds in sales. And uh, all you got to do is just go check it out at learn.salesgravy.com. That's learn.salesgravy.com. Or just go to salesgravy.com and hit e-learning in the top uh, in the top menu. And if you've never taken a course on Sales Gravy, uh, you can take your very first course for free, any course you want. Just pick any one and just use the, uh, the, 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 co the code free course. Mike, I'm stepping all over this. Uh, use the code free course uh, when you go check out at learn.salesgravy.com. I promise you won't be sorry. Mike Cabot, um, on the Sales Gravy podcast, you are a uh, an interesting guy because you've got a background in acting. In fact, you are a member of the Screen Actors Guild, uh, which is kind of crazy. I mean, I don't talk to a lot of people that are actors and CROs. Uh, so let's just back up and talk about, like, how do you go from acting into, into running a sales force for a SaaS company? Wow. Okay. That's, it's going to have to go way back. I'll try, I'll try to compress it a bit, but yeah. Um, you know, I was one of those kids that, uh, you know, like a lot of us in sales, you know, people said to me when I was young, like, you know, you're always going to be in sales. And I was kind of laughed about it, but part of it, I think is because selling is performing in a lot of ways, right? You're putting yourself in front of people. Um, but when I was a kid, I was pretty rambunctious. And my parents literally just couldn't figure out what to do with me. So they signed up for a local cable access television show. My sister and I hosted this show for uh, seven years. We hosted like a, a hundred episodes of the show. Um, and then from there, um, I got into theater and then I got into doing commercials and started doing some acting. And that was kind of how it all started. But um, the thing that I, I think is so interesting about acting and selling, two things. One is that you have this idea of improv, right? The show kind of must go on and you have to figure out ways to make it work. And that's sort of selling a lot of ways. You're talking to a client, trying to pitch them. You don't know. It doesn't always go one way. You have to be able to improvise. Um, and I think the other thing that's really important is that great actors are great empathizers. They have to really understand the, the role they're playing. And to do that, they have to have empathy for that role. And I think right, if we think about our, our job is to help people, right, not to sell people. It's really to help. Um, having empathy is such an important part of it. So I always felt like that was a really great background for me as I sort of moved into um, being in sales. Well, that's true. It's true, isn't it? So if you like, if you're going to act, you're going to take on a character, you literally have to step into that character's shoes and step into their own lens and see things through their eyes. Otherwise, it's just it's just fake. And that's what the best actors do. They actually become that character. And you hear about actors um, 
uh, that like they gain weight, they lose weight, they spend yeah. you know, a year studying the person, they talk to everybody, they assume the role. Some actors even like once they start that part, they yeah. never get out of that state, right? They stay in that state. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I, I think you're exactly right. I think one of the things that that really separates uh, salespeople who are at the top of their craft is their ability to very quickly and very easily step into someone's shoes and just see the world through that lens. And then they shift their messaging. They, they, they flex their style. They flex everything to that person. And it gives them great insight. And that's one of the reasons why empathy for sales professionals is a meta skill. But, yeah. but acting actually like puts you through the paces of honing that skill. Yeah, absolutely. Actually, there's all kinds of other things that are great about it. Whenever you do a show afterwards, you get a director's notes, which is sort of, you get critiqued. And if you think about this idea of how do we get better at, you know, it's, it's through coaching and sales coaching and having people listen in and, hey, this is the things you can do better. And so it also trains you to just be ready to, just, to get very candid feedback afterwards on your, on your performance. Um, I think the last thing I would say about it is that there's this idea, you may have heard the term, like the show must go on. I think a lot of times, right, people make excuses, right? Oh, it's this. I don't have, I don't have enough leads. Oh, our marketing sucks, whatever it is. It's like, look, the show's must go on. I mean, at the end of the day, we got to go sell. And I always felt like that was such an important thing to embrace. And I try to bring that into any, any company I've been at, any sales culture I've tried to build is that the show must go on. It doesn't matter. We have to figure out a way to put, put, deliver for the audience that's sitting in front of us. It's the truth. Last week, I was doing a keynote for a group of insurance reps and uh, and I've I've like totally lost my voice. Like I mean, there was a point where I couldn't even talk, and you can hear it in my voice now. And I'm in front of them, and I'm like, "Look, folks, the show's got to go on." So I'm going to be <laughs> popping some cough drops and drinking some hot tea, but we're yep. going to get through this together because that's what we showed up for. And you're exactly, exactly right. And I, I love the improv piece too because it does require you. Like I think improv, the thing that 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 makes improv such an important skill to master is that it forces you to learn how to listen. And you have mm -hmm. to listen not just with like your ears, but with your eyes and your intuition, because on stage, when something gets thrown back to you, if you weren't paying attention, you don't know how to respond. And uh, yeah. Gina Tremarco, who's one of our trainers at Sales Gravy, and she does courses on Sales Gravy University, also hosts a, a podcast called uh, The Women Your Mother Warned You About. And trust me, they, they did. Um, but <laughs> like she, that's her whole world. Like her entire world is she's an actor. She, she's in plays all the time and she focuses yeah. on improv and I've just learned, I've learned so much from her, just, you know, how you, you really have to pay attention to the person in front of you and you can't get out of state. And I yeah. think one of the things that impacts salespeople, especially with SaaS companies like yours, where so much of the selling is either over the phone or in a video format is they have a tendency to get distracted and yeah. they miss parts of the conversation. And I'll give you a, just an example of that just recently. Uh, I was having a conversation with a SaaS rep, a pretty expensive marketing software that we are, are are looking at potentially, you know, picking up as a company. And I, the rep asked me to tell me a little bit about the company, and I told him, and like he totally missed it. Like his next question told me straight up, he didn't yeah. hear anything that I said, and yeah. it pissed me off. Like I literally stopped him and said, "Listen, if I'm going to invest time with you, you're going to have to listen to me because." This, this isn't going to work. And, yeah. and I, I want to get your opinion on this because you're a CRO and maybe you see things differently than me. But one of the things that I truly believe was his problem was that he wasn't actually taking notes with a pen and a paper. He was looking away from the camera, typing them into, <laughs> yeah, you see that? Typing them into a computer. 
And, and, and every study yeah. I've read says that when you type into a computer, I know you, you've got to fill out the CRM and all these other things. You don't actually listen to what's happening. I mean, yeah. when I say you hear it, you put it in, like you're just transferring it through your ears. But I'd yeah. love to get your opinion on that. There's other things we want to talk about today, but it's one of the things <laughs> that's been bothering me lately because I swear to God, I'm walking into Chell's training rooms and I'm holding up a notebook and a pen with a group of Gen Zs and I'm introducing them to how to take notes. I'm, I, yeah, I mean, I always am on my moleskin for notes. I, I, I can't, if I, if I'm on my computer, I just, it's can't pay attention. Uh, and I think it, to your point, it's, you know, you miss something, all of a sudden you lose credibility because then people don't, they don't feel like you weren't listening. And again, your job is to listen and help. So if you can't listen and capture the information and actually, you know, take it in, you know, it's like, if you're 30 once in a while, like I'll look at the time and then I'll like, for, and I'm like, wait, what time is it? I know I just looked at it. I did read it, but I didn't actually pay attention. I think sort of a similar situation, what you're describing. So I'm 100% all in on handwritten stuff and then transfer to the computer afterwards. It just makes all the difference. And even, even these days, you know, with with uh, with tools like Remarkable, uh, Amazon's got their new Scribe. Uh, yeah. Those tools, you can take regular handwritten notes, and I do on those, and then you can transfer yeah. them over later on. But I think it's important for people to, or especially salespeople in SaaS, to, to really understand the need to listen. I think part of the problem, and I'll, I'll let you comment on this as well, is that I think that in the SaaS world, what I notice is that SaaS people have a tendency to talk to SaaS people a lot. And they yeah. don't typically talk to middle America. Like they don't talk to people like me who aren't SaaS executives. I'm executive of a large training company. And, you know, and they're not talking, you know, they're, they're having a conversation with like the owner of a family owned HVAC company, or yeah. in your case, a group of engineers, or, you know, even an IT director that works for a company that is not in SaaS, right? Yeah. So, um, it, so I, I'm sometimes I, when I'm having conversations with them, especially on the, on the buyer side of things, it's like, I'm not sure that you really are taking like we talk about stepping into my shoes and seeing the world through my my lens. I don't yeah. sell software. I sell other things. I'm dealing with other people and most of my clients don't either sell software either. And and so you you assume that I'm looking at things exactly the way that you do. I, I especially with what you sell and I'm going to I'm going to dive a little deeper in that in a moment because you sell to a really difficult um stakeholder group, but I'm I'm interested in your in your opinion on that. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that that's, I think that that's true, right? Um, it, it, you know, it, in my last company, we sold into a lot of uh, local schools, and it was a very different experience because prior to that, I've been doing more of the kind of classical SaaS selling, and uh, it was a very different experience because, yeah, these were these were schools that were all over the nation, places that didn't have a lot of money and technology, and it was a very different thing. I, I think a lot of this too comes back to. We, I think, as as whatever we market or sell, we need to find ways to just break it down to make it really straightforward for actually what we do and how we help. And I think that's the other problem is that people go in with just all this sort of technical jargon and everything else instead of just like, look, let's just start at the beginning. What's this all about? What are we doing here? What's the point of this? Then we can talk about technology and how it solves things. But I think that that's another problem. People don't, yep, yep, there's like a the, the value pyramid, right? Start with the what, what's really the whole point of it, and then we can layer that in and go deeper and deeper. But yeah, I agree with you. I think that's a that's a legit issue. I I agree with you. Yeah, yeah. So when you, th when you think about leaders right now from training your people, like you came from a different background, and and it's amazing how many SaaS leaders that I meet like you who have all these different backgrounds. And I think that's I think that's smart that your company brought you in because you didn't always just sell into the space. I think that, I think it's incumbent on us to help salespeople. I've, 
I've uh, I don't know how old you are, but um, but you, you you look like a Gen Xer. And I was just talking recently. I'm like, you know, the Gen Xers are the people that have to save the world because it's like it's like we suddenly forgot how to like deal with people on these twenty somethings that are coming up who are brilliant. My son's one of them. He's a Gen Z. I love them. I think they're just. I think the Gen Z group is amazing. Nothing against millennials, but these kids are. I mean, like they are on. Um, yeah. And they they operate at speed, and they you know they're they're just they've got this um, I don't know this this drive in them that reminds me of you know of us back in the eighties and early nineties. Yeah. Uh, but I but I'm not sure that they learned you know these basic human non software skills, non AI skills, just the ability to deal with kids like you and I. Yeah. Um, even right now, just you know if you just listen to this, having a conversation that is completely unscripted. Or we're just building on the conversation, which for me, like that's the essence of a great sales conversation is completely yeah. organic. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I, and I think too that uh, we've done a disservice to a lot of these folks too, right? I think, you know, one thing I found at, at my last company, I had a lot of, uh, I, had a, I had a pretty young sales team. And one of the things that they really struggled with was, was, was feedback, actually. Uh, it was very difficult for them to, you know, put up a chart, you know, and people are stack ranked by color. I mean, now, not everyone agrees with that, but I'm sort of like, I always want to know where I, where I sit. I'm, I'm, I'm really big on very direct feedback. So, but I found that a lot of people had a hard time even consuming it. And then even fewer people, you know, they could, if they did consume it, could actually then go apply it. Uh, but yeah, so I, I, I agree with you. I think that's something we need to be building back into these folks that look, this is important. This is how you get better. I mean, you guys do training. I mean, this is, this is the essence of this is feedback getting better. That's how you get better. Right. So yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I don't hold back when I'm in a training classroom. So I, you know, if you, if you have in a training classroom, I'm telling you the truth. Yeah. And I, I, you know, and I don't, I don't suffer eggshell people very well. So yeah. you know, like if, you know, if you, if you've got to tiptoe around somebody, to me, those are culture killers. So yeah. if you're a leader and you're like, you're, you got people that you're afraid to go coach and give feedback to because they can't handle it. They're breaking your culture. Like they're, they're like, they are the essence of creating mediocrity in your organization. But I'll tell you, you know, talk about the stack ranking, and this, this is a great, um, a great way of leading into this conversation around staying motivated in times of uncertainty. I was with a, a sales leader not long ago, and the sales leader was had a sales team struggling, and they were an inside sales team, and and and, and selling upscaled, so that they weren't like this wasn't like transactional. So yeah. they were these were longer sales cycles. And these were sophisticated, educated people who had had tenure in sales. And the sales leader was struggling, so their company hired me to come in and spend some time with them along with other people on the team. And we're having a conversation. I'm like, where's the ranking report? Like, how, how do people know where they stand? Yeah. And he said, well, I email it to them. It's on the system someplace. You know, it's, it's on, a, on the Salesforce or something. And I said, I said, so nobody, it's not anywhere anybody can see. He goes, no, they email it. I said, let's try something. I said, print it out for me. And I want you to stack rank it. And I yeah. want you to red, yellow, green. it. I love that you said that. So green, yellow, red. And I yeah. and we're and here's how we're gonna segment it out. So we did that. And I said, he had a, an office that was like a glass office, you know, so in the uh, building. And I said, I want you to tape it on the outside of your office. And we're just gonna have a cup of coffee and sit here for a few minutes. And like, you know, one of the reps walks by. And of yeah. course, now there's an anomaly, right? So there's something on the, and, he, and the rep looks at it. And he does a double take and he looks at it and he goes away and then he comes back and he opens the door up and go, this isn't right. Those aren't my numbers. I'm better than this. Yeah. It was one of his, you know, it was one of his reps. It was like on the bubble of being number one. And yeah. then pretty soon another rep and another rep and another rep came and another rep came and looked at their name at the bottom and you could see yeah. their face and they were shamed. 
And I said, you don't even have to point out to them that they're not on the top. They know it. That's right. And, yeah. and I'm like, suddenly the phone started ringing. Suddenly activity increased. And I said, look at that. You didn't have to do anything other than to create awareness yeah. that where people stand. And in, in absence of that awareness, you get mediocrity. And, and as you know, today's leaders, especially in uncertain economy, like you have to eliminate mediocrity wherever it is. You cannot afford to have any loosey goosey in your organization because as we start moving into this changing economy and I, this is gonna be a while, um, you have to be dialed in to compete at a high level or you're gonna get your clock cleaned. Yeah. Absolutely. It's like that. I'm sure you've heard that line that, you know, don't expect what you don't inspect. Yep. Right. And uh, yeah. And I think to your point too, it's just, it's just, it, it is the baseline knowledge. It's just people just don't know. Like, Oh, wow. I didn't know I was number three. I want to be number one. Yeah. It, it's like a natural, it's a natural thing. People that, because most salespeople are competitive. And so all of a sudden you just put it in, that, in those terms. Um, yeah, absolutely. Well, I think that, and this is my theory. Okay. I think that we've got an issue with some leaders who don't have the courage to do that. And this particular leader's case, he just wasn't aware that that's what you did. And mm -hmm. the reason that I'm aware that's what you did was because I grew up in a time where there was always a ranking report and it was always posted somewhere because back then we actually used paper, you know, so yeah. you, you could always see it. And I kept, a, I kept a copy of it behind my desk so I could see all the people I was competing with because I want to beat everybody. Yeah. And I remember, so there yeah. was just, yeah, there was an awareness. Now, some people have that, what you said there, like, you know, I don't want to put it up there because it might offend people. Like, should we do that? It might offend people. And I'm like, you need to erase that from your brain. Like you yeah. do need to offend people. I want to yeah. offend the people that are not, you know, not paying for their seat. I want to offend them terribly. I'd like to offend yeah. them and get them to go work someplace else. You know, so <laughs> you've got that. But, but I also think that if we take, let's say, you know, March of 2020, and all the way until, let's say, December 31st of 2022, like the, a time in our lives that we will never see again. There's never going to be abundance like that again. There is never going to be a sales environment like that again. It's not going to happen in our lifetimes. You know, the, the, the last pandemic was in 1920s. I don't remember it. This one happened, you know, unless something crazy happens and I'm proven wrong, but I don't think it's going to happen again, where you have a time and place where you could literally show up and fog a mirror as a salesperson and you were going to succeed. And, and there was so much coming at us that we took our guard down. And I know even in my own company and I'm a sales company and I believe in this, you can hear my, you know, I'm passionate about this over the last couple of years, we kind of took the foot off the, you know, the accelerator of ranking. I mean, there were points in time, you know, over the last couple of years, we tripled the size of our company where, you know, I'm going home at night, I'm beat and I'm looking at the world going, I don't even want any more business. Like I can't take anymore. Yeah. And so I think a lot of sales organizations, not all of them, but we're in that same boat. And a lot of us leaders, we got complacent because we were succeeding at such a high level we didn't have to put a microphone, you know, a magnifying glass on our organization. And I don't know what you think about that. Maybe my theory is wrong, but, um, but I'm, you know, I'm, I just look at all the behavior right now. And I think what did we do to ourselves over the last three years, it sort of flipped everything upside down and now we have to right size it. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I think the other challenge for some of this stuff is that, um, there's so much sort of interesting technology that's come out around helping salespeople, but I think it's it's actually also hurt us in, in some of these ways. Like so, like before when things were just amazing and hot and easy, all that tech was okay. But now that 
it's not, it's even now it's really, it's like it's exponentially hurt us because we've just now spoiled all of our touches, right? Every, all of our prospecting, everyone's sort of just so inundated um, with email and everything else. So I think that's another sort of challenge that we have to sort of rethink that, that stuff that was working before, I don't know that, that it's going to continue working in the same way. Yes. Yeah, so the, the sales and remote platforms that are nothing more than spam bots at this moment. I mean, because at some point you're just like, right? Like if, if everyone's, if, if, when they first came out, it was innovative because people were like, oh, wow. And I think, you know, and also there was so much focus on efficiency. I think that now we got to move to a world of effectiveness, right? Like making people faster, great. But making them better is where I think where this needs to go. And I think that, that that's a different, that, that requires sort of different technology, requires a different sort of approach to management than I think we've been seeing. Yeah, I've, I've discovered some amazing technology um, it's, it's incredible. It's called a phone. Um, it's like, you know, and a pen and a piece of paper, like it's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I've also discovered getting on an airplane and going and seeing customers. Like I've literally this year, um, because we got so much into virtual and even in my world where I work with companies all over the globe, I've been getting on airplanes. I've been getting in cars. I've been getting on trains. I've been getting out face to face and seeing people and I'm winning deal after deal after deal after deal when I'm showing up. Yeah. So I, I do think that that's, that's right. And I, you know, and when these sales and movement platforms first came out, they were designed for building prospecting sequences. And I've got a new book coming out around prospecting sequences. But the problem was, is that they were set up so that on this, on this touch, you make, you pick up the phone. If right. you're a field rep on this touch, you go in person and do a drop on this touch, you touch them on, you know, you do a direct message on social media on this one, you do a video. Yeah. That's what they were designed for, but that's not how they're used. Right. All they are is like send email, send email, send email, send email. And the emails are terrible. Like they're so bad. Marketing organizations should like seriously be ashamed of themselves for allowing their sales company or sales people to destroy the brand at the level that they're destroying brands. And yeah. you get so much of it. You ever, like, and I've known this because you're, you know, you're a C-level executive. You talk to C-level executives in your circle. I, I guarantee you all of them are saying, you know what? I'm just not even answering email anymore. I'm not paying attention to any of this crap because it's in it's you know it's inundating me. But that is also typical of the sales world to destroy anything that works. We you know it's we true. always do this. So yeah. so I I think that it's crazy. It sounds I'm talking to a SaaS CEO, but I mean a SaaS CRO. But you know, I think field sales is back in a big way. I think uh, I think synchronous conversations is back in a big way. I think people are starving for it. You can see what's happening with conferences where we're getting back out and meeting people. So I think that there's balance coming back to the force if we were to use a, some, some Star Wars technology or terminology. But I think that that's coming back. And I think that these sales and movement platforms, like you said, um, I, I mean, I hate to throw rocks at them because I, I, you know, I love the one that we use. We use HubSpot and we use their their platform, but I have to be super vigilant with my own salespeople. We pick up the phone first. We have a synchronous conversation first. I'm okay with emails, but but we're a phone first organization, and 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 we can't like just send email after email after email and expect that that's going to work for us. So I think you're right about that. Um, okay, let me let's do a little switch on you, Mike. So so we've we've entered a a weird, I just call it a weird time. It's weird. It's just a weird time. We've got <laughs> uncertainty. We have volatility. We've got a war. 
We have um, we've got you know just just the other day ago you know Iran is you know is uh, uh, capturing ships in, in the Hormuz Strait, uh, which is impacting you know fuel delivery. We have uh, disruptions everywhere, and uh, and we have in some cases uh, you know companies that are in economies that are fantastic. We have other people who are like in real estate where they're already in a recession. And then, like, we have even new home sales people who were in a recession, and now they're out of a recession because the people who sell existing homes don't have any inventory. Like, it's all over the place. And we came out of this unprecedented time where if we think about where we are, we're a little bit back to normal, like the how you would sell normally. But it's difficult. And then in your space in tech, good Lord, I mean, how many more people are we going to lay off? So... And there's another round coming, another round coming, another round coming. Um, as organizations start to right size, they begin to uh, they begin to take staff out that they don't need. Um, and along the way, they're putting off like sales training in some cases. Other people are picking up more sales training. I mean, it just depends on the leadership team. It depends on what your like your VC backers, your investors are saying to you. So there's all of this stuff happening, and it's noise. And seriously, you pick up the Wall Street Journal, which I read every single day, and on Tuesday, you feel good, and on Wednesday, you feel like crap. You you think the banking crisis is over, and all of a sudden, you've got another bank that's in jeopardy. Uh, You know, that happened over the weekend. So, like, this has got to be a difficult time if you're an individual salesperson, and you're looking around you, you're getting pushback, you're getting buying um, deferment objections, I'd love for you to talk a little bit about, especially when you're dealing with a buying group like you deal with. So the stakeholders that you deal with in your space, I don't completely understand what you do. I I, I read enough to be dangerous, so um, but I so I get some of it. But you're dealing with probably the most difficult group of people to sell to in business, in my opinion, just because of their buying type, their personas, uh, analyzers. They're hard to get to. Um, you're selling them something that. They may say, we don't really need this right now, but I've read a couple of your blogs and it looks to me like they really need it right now and it would make a lot of sense. So how do you, you know, how do you turn a, you know, an IT department into, for example, a, you know, a, a, an expense into a revenue generator, which I think is super smart. Uh, so like you've got all of this stuff happening and in your team selling to people who are really good at saying no and hiding from you. So talk yeah. to me about as a leader, as a CRO, like from your heart, like, what are you doing right now to maintain morale, to keep your salespeople pumped up, to keep your mid-level leaders pumped up so that they're going in every day, leading your sales team? What's the formula for that? And uh, and how do you make sure that you, you know, you don't lose your team in the process? Yeah, I mean, I think some of it is um, just being very transparent and real. I mean, some, I think that's sort of the foundation. I think instead of like making crazy claims to people like, oh, don't worry, this is going to be easy or being really just real, like, look, it's it's going to take a lot of work. And I think that's the first thing you have to all get on the same page. It's going to take a lot of work. And and, and I, that could be maybe upsetting for people, but that's just the deal, right? You got to take a lot of work. But I think from there, it's about finding uh, where the wins are. And I think, you know, right, we get, sometimes we get so focused on just the end game of set the closed one deal. But uh, back to, we talked earlier about this idea of sort of stack ranking. And, you know, one of the things I've found is that there's there's ways we can stack rank across a variety of metrics. So there could be based on, you know, are you touching enough accounts or prospecting enough? It could be, are you generating enough pipeline? It could be, are you, you know, winning enough? But there, 
there are there are a variety of areas that you could highlight people and hopefully if people aren't winning and closing close one enough business they, hopefully they're at least busy enough they're touching enough accounts you can highlight them in there and say hey you're doing the right stuff here and we know based on the math that you know if you touch 100 accounts that 10 should turn to pipe and three or four of those should convert into close one so keep going the math will catch up and it will start working so um i think you know again finding those wins and i also think that and in any time you get any sort of win you got to celebrate it. So, you know, anytime we have a competitive win, we all give them goes, you know, go crazy and have on a call or Slack or whatever, and, and people talk about it. And I think highlighting those and making sure people know that the person next to me just won, this person just won, that person just won. Okay. That means I, you know, I'm just as good as they are. So now it's my turn. And I think that helps people, I think, stay in the game and, and remember what, you know, what we're out there doing. So. I don't know. That, that, yeah, that's I, I do. I think, reaction. I think celebrating wins is important. I think keeping them in front of people and, and again, you think about over the last couple of years, we were winning a lot. We were winning so much that, you know, in the words of, of a, a, an inf infamous politician, we, we almost got tired of winning, you know? So <laughs> we, I don't think that we were celebrating that level. And I do think now like every day, ring the bell, every time there's a win, ring the yeah. bell. And there are little wins. There are, there are big wins, celebrate them all. Yeah. Uh, you know, you know, you can bring out the brass band for the really, really, really big win. But yeah, if you, we got, I got what I've been celebrating lately, based on what you just said, it's just something that got added to the pipeline. Like, I, yeah. you know, everything I was, I'm kind of the sales leader for our organization as long well as the CEO. But every time one of my people adds something new to the pipeline, I grab it and send them a note and say, awesome, very good, nice job. Because I don't know if it's real. I don't know. I just, but the act of putting something into the pipeline just tells me that that's a good thing. Now we're, now we're, we got a game, like where are we going right. to go? So Absolutely. I think that's incredible, incredibly important. And I also think, and I get your opinion on this, but actually diving into the sales process. So we always focus on close one, but yeah. there's a lot of steps to get to close one. So I'm also focusing on how are we advancing? Or yeah. how are we layering discovery calls on a bigger account? Like, are we, you know, did we get a meeting with a person higher up in the organization? Did we level up? Did we get to side by side? You know, did yeah. we have a, a, a bigger conversation? What does that look like? I think celebrating those along the way. And part of that is teaching our salespeople to slow down just a little bit because we got in a bad habit. And that's just us, everybody of transacting customers yeah. because it was it was sort of like hello wanna buy and now it's like let's slow down a little bit and let's really do discovery let's really yeah. get deep in the process and for me like one celebration is is there a next step did you schedule the next meeting is it on their calendar and on your calendar if so let's do a high five because yeah. i i think we have to teach through positive reinforcement back to you're you're the leader and you're like you don't want to put the ranking report up because you want to offend people I, I get that, right? Offend the people that are on the bottom, but don't tell them that they're on the bottom. Just let them figure it out on their own. But if right. you want people to do the right thing, like the best way of of, re, of of getting that right thing is to reinforce the behavior, which to your point is celebrating when people do it right. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think also just this idea that it's, again, it's about, about the building blocks. You know, I, I always try to get my reps to think about that in terms of the funnel that like, again, it's not about the, the winning, yes, but you do, it's everything that happened before that. Um, you know, I, I'm a big soccer fan. I was, you know, my, my daughter was playing goalie in this game and she was upset. And they scored. And I said, look, there was 10 people in front of you. Like it, it, a lot of things have to happen before you get a goal. And I think the same thing with selling. Like it's so if you're doing all the right things, 
And that eventually that, that stuff's going to translate. And so celebrate that and, and focus on that stuff. And build well, even going back to prospecting, you know, I did a call block and, you know, I, like, here's reps. I, I, one call, call, rep from another company sent me a text message this weekend. So I feel like I'm wasting my time because, yeah. because, you know, I call and I don't get anything. I said, what do you mean? I don't get anything. Well, you know, I'm not talking to decision makers. I'm talking to this person, talking to that person. And I wrote him back and said, and, you know, reps text me from all over the world. I'm like, did, did you get any information? Rep goes, yeah. I said, you put in your CRM? Rep goes, yeah. Right. I said, give yourself a high five. Go do a happy dance. 80% yeah. of prospecting is gathering information and putting the, the jigsaw together so you can get the one call that gets you in the door. It's right. not like you call and suddenly you everything falls into place. So you even at that point, like you have to, I think at the, the frontline leaders, you have to you have to, to praise your reps when they're just I got one point of contact in the CRM that I didn't have before. That to yeah. me is a victory. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think and to that point, it's there's a difference between celebrating fake wins and celebrating small victories. And I think that's important too. It's like never want to celebrate just to celebrate. Right. Sometimes I feel like you get this pressure like, like look, if we had a, like a crap quarter, I'm not gonna sit there and be like, oh, you had an amazing quarter, folks. And that, that's not gonna happen. But we can celebrate all the great things that did happen, right? And, and so, I, yeah, I, I agree with you. Yeah. So, talk to me a little bit about uh, the the stakeholders that you call into. So, uh, yeah. MOOCsoft is a a platform that caters to IT and engineers and a group of people that I honestly don't understand because they operate at a level that. Um, you know, most of it's they're they're more analyzers. I'm much more of an energizer. So, I mean, on, on the on the on the like, if you were to take the four corners, we're on the opposite. That's got to be like a I, from my standpoint, like it'd be a tough thing to lead because your salespeople hit a lot of walls, probably a lot more walls than if they were, you know, calling sales leaders, for example. Um, how do you like? How do you train and manage and coach that? And and I, and I'm saying this because there's a lot of salespeople who listen to this podcast who probably feel that pain of having to call into stakeholder groups that are high on the analyzer or even high on director side of, of the, you know, of the, the persona, the stakeholder personas, and they find that they hit walls. They don't get really emotionally validated. Um, they're hard to get to these people. So you've got to make a hundred calls to get a person just to like raise their head up and say hello to you. Uh, that's got to be a challenge for you and your leaders, I imagine. It is. I mean, I think the first thing is, is that it's back to this empathy concept. Understand who you're calling into and what they care about. If you're calling into the CTO or the CIO, it's different than if you're calling into the VP, if it's different than if you're calling into the director, different than if you're calling into a manager or an end user. So all those people have different you know, issues and concerns and hopes and dreams and whatever it is. And so understanding that I think is sort of the, the first piece of that. Um, and, I, and I think from there, it, it like, it's funny, even though these people are very analytical, and I always say, right, people, even these people, they buy with emotions first, and they use their analytics, and they use the logic to back up the emotions, but it's, it, we all, all humans, I think, maybe a small group, we all buy with emotions first, even these people, so, you know, what are the things we can sort of tap into, and the stories we can share that are what happened to their sort of emotional needs, making sure that they, again, back to this idea that like we have to help them solve a problem. I'm really, really big on this. Like this is about helping, not selling. And if you help people, it's amazing. They give you money. So that is selling. Um, but, uh, and I think this also comes back to focus on uh, finding ways to show them, you know, how can we do this work? How can we have these outcomes? Uh, and and what, do they, what do they care about? So if they really care about, you know, in our case, again, we help companies ensure that their systems and applications stay up and active. Um, 
if you're the CEO or the CTO, you care about you know, being in the news, you know, you see this all the time, airlines go down, we have a number of airline customers, people can't get on flights, I mean, that's a very stressful situation. But if you're the actual user of a platform like ours, you just care about not getting yelled at, you know, because you're trying to solve the problem quickly, right? So again, it's just, I think really understanding what those needs are and being able to try to meet them there. But that's so important what you just said, you know, what you care about not getting yelled at. Like, when that's an emotional thing, like you don't want things to get out of whack, you get yelled at. And and you're exactly right. Every human being, except for a very thin thin slice of humanity that doesn't have the capability of doing this, and they're typically not buying things from you because their, their life is a disaster. We all, this is science, we start with emotion and then we yeah. move the logic. That is how we operate as people, as yeah. humans. And we sometimes forget that. And I think especially when you're dealing with engineers and you're dealing with CIOs, we have a tendency to believe because of the way those people approach us that we need to start with logic. And yeah. and it just takes a little bit of time. I, I find when I'm coaching salespeople who are dealing with the group of stakeholders that you primarily work with, that the hardest thing for the salesperson is salespeople are typically not analyzers. We, we, we are typically uh, more consensus builders. We're socializers. We're energizers at heart. Like that's who we, the people like, we're actors. I mean, we're, we're that group of people that we have a, a tendency because when we first deal with those people or we're in discovery conversations with them, they don't like really emote like they don't give us lots of information they don't really like they they're not they're not open at first they will open up they will totally up they will cascade you with openness but at first they're not and what happens to the salesperson is and i just think about you on stage right when you're on stage and people are clapping you get validated like you i did something well and and so the salesperson is waiting for the person to smile or to say something emotional or to like when they ask them a question like start talking and they don't do that so the salesperson doesn't feel validated and it causes a salesperson to feel insecure and when salespeople feel insecure what do they do they start talking right and they talk themselves all the way out and that is a very difficult thing to teach i think maturity helps like experience helps because you've run into that enough times you start learning how to be patient but Salespeople, yeah. and, I'm, and I'm generalizing, Mike, but I find salespeople in those sure. situations, they really have to learn emotional control and they have to learn patience mm-hmm. and they have to have faith that if they continue to ask the right questions, if they're doing it organically, if they're sincerely trying to help, like you say, that those the, that analyzer director group of people who typically, you know, they, 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 they their business first emotions later, right? Um, those they, they typically will begin to open up and trust you, especially when you can demonstrate to them that you can save them time or keep them from getting yelled at. But but I, that yeah. to me is like it's like a, it's like a huge thing. Like if a salesperson can learn that, guys, they can make such a great living because if you can deal with an analyzer, like you can deal with anybody. Yeah, yeah. It's funny, it reminds me of a story earlier in my career. I remember we were at, we were doing this really big pitch. I think we were pitching to Apple or somebody. It was a it was a pretty big pitch. I was there with my CEO, and uh, and the 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 person was just starting to kind of talk, and I was getting ready to sort of jump in. And I remember he kind of very gently reached over and just put his hand on my arm and just be quiet. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> and then this guy just whoo, just yeah. let it all out. And it was 
one of those moments I was like, man, that was awesome. He knew like he, yeah. I was, you know, I was still mature in my, in my sort of sales yeah. career to know that this was a moment to just shut up and listen. And he, he knew, anyway, I always think about it now because it was such a good, funny moment, but it was, I'm so glad he was there. <laughs> but what a cool story because, you know, I have the same stories from my own background where, you know, I had great sales leaders and I was immature and, you know, I've got, a, I've got a few dents in my chins from getting kicked out of the table. <laughs> But you know, just yeah. that learning that pace, like th they understood it, and that's why I say, you know, for the, you know, the Gen X leaders out there, you know, it's up to us to fix the sales world. Like we we have to bring this back. We have to be leaders that are willing to do exactly what your leader did and say, you know, stop for a second. I'm sure in that moment, you're a little bit embarrassing because you you got called out, yeah. um, but but you learn like that pace and that understanding and watching people. There's um there's science behind this by the way it's called the self disclosure loop and and what it is is that when a person begins talking and self revealing they get a dopamine hit to the pleasure centers of the brain and analyzers like the people that you typically deal with in the spaces who are you know in those roles they they're slower to get there than than people like me like you you ask me a question like I can talk I'm I'm rolling downhill. Uh, right. But but once it hits, like you watch it, you know, I know you do this now in your role as CEO, or CEO, like watch it, watch it, watch it, stay yeah. out of the way, like here it comes. And then yeah. once they start talking, if you will just pay attention, stop typing on your computer, look yeah. at them, like, <laughs> like reward them for talking, they'll tell you everything and like you don't have to do anything at all. And it's one of the yeah. games that my team plays in situations like that is how few questions can we ask to get the most information out of someone. And, Absolutely. but that's, a, that's, that's something that you have to learn. And, and you, and you're, and I don't know that you're typically going to learn that on your own, or at least, you know, it, you're going to learn it the hard way. Like you're going to lose a lot of money out of your paycheck while you figure it out. So right. I do think like you even going back to motivating your, your, you know, your salespeople and, and keeping them motivated in this time of change, sales leaders need to be present. You need to be with them on calls. And then yeah. I'm not talking taking over and doing it for them. Right. You need to be on your sales floor. You need to be sitting side by side. You need to be imparting your wisdom so that they can become better at what they're doing. That to me is what like makes the role of leading salespeople so much fun and so rewarding. Uh, and I go back to the last you know three years. I think sales leaders got out of that habit because we were just doing triage, just trying to keep up what was coming at us. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And just, it's, it's just dealing with the, the kind of the craziness of just what's happening, but yeah, absolutely. Um, that's a big opportunity. I, I'm a really big believer in the feedback, this idea of feedback. And I, you know, I another story I remember, uh, in similar, same, same company, I had this big meeting and, uh, and afterwards, um, I asked the CEO cause he always was there with me. I said, Hey, do you have any feedback for me? And he gave me some feedback. And then, uh, and then a, a minute later, he goes, "Hey, do you have any feedback for me?" And I remember thinking at the time, like I did have feedback for him, but I didn't really want to say anything. But I was like, "Whatever, I'm just gonna lay it out there." So anyways, I actually gave him really candid feedback, and he was like, "Thank you so much." Like people don't usually give me feedback after these things, and I talk about it later. But that's partly why I just, you know, it's like that's how we all get better. It doesn't matter who you yeah. are, the CEO of a company, we still need feedback. We all need feedback, and that's how we, that's how we get better. So yeah. Yeah, it's one of the like one of the things that I do with you know I I, I called it before and after routine on sales calls yeah. is before like before we do a sales calls what's the objective what's our target yeah. and next step tell me what you know about it um, and then coming out of it like what do we do well like I always want to start yeah. there everybody wants to start the negative tell me what we did well yeah because like 
once in my life I've walked out of a sales call where we bombed it so bad there was nothing we did well, right? <laughs> but I fired that person. So, but yeah. you know, but but you know, but it, there's always we always did something well. There was always something. So pick those things out and get people in the habit of looking for what's right. Yeah. Then you say, what could we do better? And you have them yeah. talk. And then as a leader, I, if I if I'm like if it's a joint call where I'm engaged in the call versus I'm just observing. I asked the same question, like, what could I do better? Yeah. And I'm, I'm similar to, 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 you know, to the CEO. I'm, I'm actually like, I'm sometimes surprised at what people say. And sometimes it's really insightful because I think sometimes as a leader, we, we forget our role. We forget who we are. We, you know, we have a tendency sometimes to take over. And I think sometimes, you know, we, we do, I think, I know I walk into some deals <laughs> and I'm going, hold my beer. I got this. Like, yeah, I know yeah. that I do that because I've been doing it so long. And it's and it's humbling to like have someone who's 25 years old look at you and go, you know, I probably wouldn't have said that if I were you. And you go, yeah, you're right about that. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think it's such an important thing for them to see that as a leader, you can take the feedback and you and you can appreciate it. And I think that you know, then that's then you can give them feedback. Look, it's a two-way yeah. street. This isn't a this isn't me coming down on you. This is just how do we get better together? Yep. Yeah. Um, tell me a little bit about Moogsoft. Yeah. Um, so basically, we help companies ensure, again, that their applications and systems are sort of live. So um, if you think about, so one of our customers is is Fox uh, during the World Cup, uh, right, that they're making sure that like all those systems are up uh, and running so that people were trying to stream the World Cup globally, nothing went out and everyone was able to watch it. And they, it was it was great. Um, but that, that's sort of the idea. And if you think about um let's say you're watching Netflix and, and Netflix goes down. It's not clear um, Netflix necessarily what happened. Is it, you know, was it on your local machine? Was it because, you know, your telephony, your internet? Is it because your router went out? Is it because Netflix had an application issue? Is it because some database got too full? And so um, what happens is companies install sensors or monitoring systems across all these different areas of the business. The problem is, is that if a problem, if something happens, they don't really know, they can't, like if one sensor goes off, it's usually connected to something else. And so what our company does is we just take all that information and shove it into one place. So that way they can quickly figure out, okay, this is the problem, now we can go address it and, and get it resolved. And that's sort of the, the foundation. So, but it's, you know, it's, it's, it's banks and insurance companies, it's people that have uh, systems and applications, things that if it goes down, it's really bad, right? You, you get a car accident, you need to be able to file a claim. You know what I mean? Waiting around, like, oh my gosh, I'm on the side of the road. I need, you know, that you can't access that, you're going to freak out. Yeah. So that's we make sure those companies keep all that stuff up and running. I love this. Like when you're driving, when you're flying a plane, something starts going wrong, you want the computer to tell you what it is. And it yeah. could be a bunch of different little things. Beautiful. So um, I'm going to give you a, a chance to uh, to pitch your company to um to our audience because you know we've got some amazing people that listen to this podcast uh all over the world and uh and a lot of them are you know they're getting to their career where they're looking for cool companies to go work for um yeah. uh, uh why would someone want to come work for you and work for Mooseoft? and if they if they did want to work for you like what do they need to come with and how would they find out about your careers sure um yeah, I, I think, you know, what makes us special is I think per, partly that we built a really, I mean, culture is number one thing. And, you know, it, it, you, you can go to a lot of places and if culture is not right, it's just not a fun place to work. So the first thing is we've got a culture that is people oriented, but it's also focused on outcomes. And it's very transparent in general. As you kind of heard me saying, I'm very straightforward as a leader. When I'm interviewing people, I tell them like this, what you see on an interview with me is what you're going to get with me once you start working here. I don't, I'm not going to promise you crazy stuff. This is just what it is. 
Um, but I think it's a big opportunity to, to do something really special and help people. I think that's, again, what, what I love about what we're doing is our systems are powering, you know, like, you know, if, you, if you're out, if you're using a cell phone, if you're watching the World Cup, you're watching, you know, um, the Super Bowl, all these things, is, you know, we're behind all of that. Um, so that's special. And I think uh, if you want to be, like, we, we are interested in people that are specifically have some domain expertise. That's one of the things I've actually found from a hiring perspective is that it's a lot easier when salespeople have spent some time in the space. Um, but certainly happy to chat with people if they're interested in learning more on our website. It's just, I believe it's moogsoft.com slash careers. Um, you hit me up on LinkedIn, whatever, happy to, happy to engage on that. And it wouldn't be the worst thing in your life to have an opportunity to work with someone like you that totally you. gets it, right? Understands coaching, understands culture, and uh, understands what it takes to, uh, to drive a sales team. Uh, Mike, if, if someone wants to connect with you uh, after listening to this, how would they find you? Yeah, just linkedin.com slash in Mike Cabot. It's, I'm, you know, thank been on there long enough. I have a normal name on there. Uh, but yeah, LinkedIn, Mike, I mean, I'm on Twitter, I'm Cabot, but mostly I'm on LinkedIn. So that's probably the best place to hit me up. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. It was a fantastic conversation. I, it was, uh, it was, it went in some unexpected directions, but I just love it. Super rich. And, uh, and folks, like if you're looking for, uh, an opportunity and you're in the IT space and you understand what Mike's talking about, which I don't because I'm not smart enough to, to, to live at his level. Y'all go check out Mooksoft uh, forward slash career, Mooksoft.com forward slash careers and, uh, and see what's out there. And uh, don't forget to go check out Sales Gravy University, the world's most powerful sales training engine. Uh, we work with teams all over the world uh, from all sizes who uh, who use Sales Gravy to upskill, uh, drive uh, drive motivation, and keep people's morale up. Uh, it's a lot of fun with a lot of people that uh, are the best expert, best authors in the world, the best sales trainers in the world. Go to learn.salesgravy.com, learn.salesgravy.com. And if you've never taken a course before on the platform, you can take any course. When you check out, use the code FREECOURSE. Thank you for joining me on the Sales Gravy Podcast. Mm -hmm.